All right. Well, so we've been talking about uh, we've been in Second Timothy, and uh, just working through this first chapter. Um, and so that we've been talking about how Paul is is uh, in a fight to the finish, and uh, talked about the two acts uh, to be who God saved you to be. Second Timothy one and and two, and Second Timothy three and four is do that which God saved you to do. Uh, we talked about the promise of life in Christ produces no doubt in our identity. We saw three things there. Um, because of the promise of Christ, there's the love of Christ. We don't have to doubt our identity as dearly beloved sons. And we pray through Christ so we don't have to doubt our biblical heritage. And we have confidence of faith in Christ so we don't have to doubt our biblical identity uh, as a faithful saint. And so <clears throat> we started into chapter 2 and uh, talked about, um, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter uh We're still in chapter 1, I should say. And we were in verses 5 through 7, talking about the promise of life in Christ Jesus Jesus produces no fear in ministry. In verses 5 through 7, we saw unfeigned faith is memorable. In verses 1 and verse 5, as Paul talks about Timothy's unfeigned faith and how that was authentic and genuine like his mother and grandmother, uh, Lois and Eunice. And in in essence... uh, you know, we saw that that is the the kind of faith that was re- reproduced in uh, Timothy. We also saw that unfeigned faith is memorable and uh, it reproduces and it is reproducible and it is visible. That's actually where we left off, and so I'll pick it up from there uh, tonight. So, if we have our Bibles, let's look at Second uh, Timothy chapter one. And we'll be in verse uh, 6, and we'll pick it up. I'm going to just read, actually just start and review all of it, verses 1 through 10. But we're going to focus on verses 6 through 10. So the introduction is in in, uh, 2 Timothy 1. We've already covered this thoroughly, but I'll read it again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Okay, so that catches us up to where we've been. We've covered that. Now in verses 6-10 through 10, that's where we're going to pick it up tonight. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou uh, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which which, uh, was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest uh, manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought a life and immortality to light through the gospel. Heavenly Fathers, we look at this passage today and we just talked this morning about the, the life and immortality that is brought to us through the gospel. Lord, we're so thankful that we have inherited that and that, uh, Lord, not only have we inherited your divine nature, but it's reproducible. It's something that we can, uh, by faith, not only receive, but by faith we can also give to others. And Lord, as we celebrated today the folks that went through How to Disciple and we talked about discipleship and, and having uh, a heritage that we can give to others in other generations, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be faithful even tonight 
tonight with your word. As we go to prayer tonight, I pray that the fervent and effectual prayer of your saints would avail much. And Lord, what a firm foundation we do have. Lord, we are so thankful for Jesus Christ, who is our rock, uh, not of offense, but the rock of our, our uh, salvation, our foundation. And we just thank you and praise you for loving us and, uh, and saving us uh, from our offense of being sinners in the hands of an angry God, as Jonathan Edwards put it, and being saved by grace through faith through Jesus Christ our Lord. We praise you and thank you for your word tonight. We pray a blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so point C in your outline, unfeigned faith is memorable, reproducible, and visible. So Paul and the church saw the unfeigned faith in Timothy in times past. Now he's uh, is challenging him to display it once again by identification with Paul, uh, his suffering and the call that he had to preach the gospel. So uh, just kind of keep your finger, well, we've already read chapter 1, but look over in chapter 2 and look at verse 6. Uh, it says, The husband, husband man that laboreth must first be partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ is of the seed of David and was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, uh, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, uh, this section reminds us that uh, what James said to those, um, uh, those never seem to show up to contribute to the gospel because they don't... um, I'm sorry, this section reminds me of what James said to those uh, who never seemed to show up to contribute to the gospel because they couldn't shut up about their faith. You know, many a child watches their parents talk about faith to church and their life is void. So faith without works is what? Dead, right? They talk a big talk, but they don't have the walk. In James chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, the Bible says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone, yea, A man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee thy faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And so we see that even in the in the Ephesians chapter 2, right? We're saved by grace through faith. No doubt about that. It's the finished work of Christ. But we're saved unto good works. So our, our faith should produce a good work in our life. So we're certainly saved by grace through faith uh, in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans and all the Pauline epistles confirm that. Nevertheless, or nonetheless, uh, we are saved unto good works in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. So if, if uh, someone is lost, right, then our works cannot help us. But once we are saved, good works are the manifestation of the Spirit of God in us. So there needs to be some visible. The point is there needs to be um, an unfeigned faith that's, that's obviously memorable, it's reproducible, but it should be visible. There should be an, a noticeable distinction. Uh, so Paul was asking Timothy to identify with Paul as a prisoner, right? Because we saw there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that he was suffering trouble as an evildoer, but he wasn't an evildoer. Right, so now he's saying, "Hey, I need you to identify with me, uh, and I'm suffering, right? And I'm I'm being I'm not in the best situation here, Timothy." Um, 
So Romans and all the Pauline epistles uh, would lead us to believe that that, uh, if we're lost, our works can't help us. But once we're saved, good works are the manifestation of the Spirit of God in in you, even if other people say that that your good works are speaking evil of your good works. It says, let not your good works be evil spoken of. But Paul's good works are being evil spoken of. And there wasn't much he could do about it other than continue to do good work. Right, and let the Spirit of God uh, do what the Spirit of God does. So Paul was asking Timothy to identify with Paul as a prisoner, and Paul understood that this was a fearful proposition for Timothy. I mean, when you think about the first century and what that really meant, that's, that's a tough call. I mean, uh, that's, uh, you know, when Timothy at Lystra saw Paul get stoned and then wake up and come back into town and preach again, I mean, that had to be pretty impactful. This guy was... Uh, he was amazing. He, he was he was all in, and so um, he wasn't afraid to be visible. <laughs> or he was not afraid to be visible. Um, you know, and you know, I can I can remember. Uh, I was at a lunch downtown with a friend of mine. Uh, he was getting ready to go in the ministry and pastor a church. And uh, when he was getting ready to launch and and go, uh, he asked me if I was excited and and it, to to you know to. We were both, he was going to a church out in Kansas, and we were getting ready to launch Heartland here, uh, formally and officially. And I remember sitting there at this restaurant downtown, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not, like, giddy about it. I wasn't, like, I felt like, and what I told him was I said, I felt like I, I, it's sobering. I feel like I'm getting ready to storm Normandy Beach, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to get your spiritual head blown off. Uh, you just don't know. Um if it's going to be, you know, what's going to happen? And so I didn't really feel like uh, giddy about it. Uh, I think sober was a better better way of saying it. Um, and I had reasons for that that had nothing to do with, with even me. But the, we'd had two other previous guys, way better than me, came down here to try to plant a church, and it, neither one of them really went anywhere. But one really got discipleship kind of established, and it kind of failed uh, at another local church here. And then the other, that since that didn't work, came to plant a church, and then that thing blew up. Um, when our, we had some problems in our in our church back in Kansas City, and so it just I wasn't like super excited about Cass County because everything I'd seen had kind of failed before I got here, and so um, but I felt that God was calling, you know what I mean. So it's a sober thing. You you go where you're called. You don't go where you prefer, and so <clears throat> so there was an element um, uh, of fear of the flesh uh, you know of course and that's foolishness because you can't fear the flesh but still no one um you know no one hangs up their career and launches out by faith without at least thinking about it a little bit and um and and there is some there is some sobriety that comes with that um <clears throat> but to be all giddy and silly and unrealistic about about the work of ministry is is uh, not a good thing because satan hates us right and he wants to kill us uh, yeah, God's more is well able to overcome all that, um, <clears throat> but you're soon going to be alone and standing there, and God the Father is the one that's going to be with you. So, you just need His confirming love and joy that comes with sincere faith. And I can remember in the early days of HBF, uh, I remember specifically one time driving up Mechanic Street, and just some of the most petty stuff threatened the the, the, the church. I can't, I won't get into it, even though the people are no longer here, but. It was just like I'm driving my car, going, Lord, you know, I don't see, you know, really, we need more than this. <laughs> I don't know if it, you know, just this is petty, really. Um, so there's pettiness and there's problems, and these are people I'm supposed to be starting a church with, and it was just, it was just, uh, I don't know if you can imagine, but 
you know, it's just like, man, I don't know, Lord. Uh, and God was like, you know, Brian, I'm good. And that's all you got to know. And I'm like, okay, that's all I need. I just need to know. I know you're good. Yeah, and I mean, it is a light affliction. I wasn't about to throw in the towel, but it was just, it's just, you have moments where you're like, man, Lord, I don't, I, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> so uh, we need help. So Nehemiah 8.10 says this, Then said he unto them, Go your way, and eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy and unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry. Um, I'm, in the wrong, I'm on the wrong page. That didn't make any sense. Okay, forgive me. So uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, let me back up. Uh, so back to where I was. Satan hates uh, his representatives, God's representatives, and uh, and he's going to try to hurt us at all costs. So, if you're getting ready to storm Normandy Beach, then you you really you know need to be sober about that, uh, because ultimately what what we really want to see is that our fear is eclipsed by faith, and we know we want to hear the Father say, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." And so, um, you know, you're walking right where I wanted you to go, and that's all you can worry about. Now, think about Paul. If Paul was insecure. Uh, he's being accused of things he hasn't done. Things don't look like they're going well. But yet he's very encouraged in the Lord. Even the great apostle Paul, though, who was full of faith, and had he had moments where fear eclipsed his heart. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2.3, which I put in your notes there, it says, And I, I was with you in all weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now you could say, well, he's not talking about his weakness and fear. Uh, He's talking about their weakness and fear, but Paul himself, uh, there was there was fightings without and fears within. Fears within, even though he was the apostle Paul and he was full of faith as a man, I'm sure that he had moments where there was fear. Um, you know, and you might say, well, Brian Paul was not in fear. You know, it was the Corinthians who were in fear, but Paul was a faithful man of God for sure, and Paul was faithful and he allowed faith to conquer fear, and that's the reason the Lord spoke to him and let him know that there was no need to fear. So in Acts 27, which I think I put in your notes as well, it says, For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. So if you doubt if Paul feared, you shouldn't. Paul, if Paul, if, I don't think God would have sent an angel to Paul in Acts 27 and say, Fear not, if Paul wasn't struggling as a human, at a human level, with fear. Uh, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So you guys know the story there in Acts. Paul is in a situation on, in peril in the sea, um, and uh, you know, in peril of my countrymen, in peril in the sea. So Paul was not unaccustomed to peril, and God was not unaccustomed to saying, "Hey, Paul, don't fear, fear not, fear not." So, um, so if we're going to walk by faith, unfeigned, pure faith, God's going to place us in circumstances that will bring fear to our flesh, but comfort to our soul. Have you guys ever had that? Like you got fear of the flesh, but comfort of the soul. And that's kind of how it is, you know, when you enter into something that's supernatural. Um, maybe it's something simple, like going to take it to the streets or... Um, witnessing at Spark in the Park. I think about those. That's a good example. Like to go out and get up. I, lo- I like doing it when I'm done, but it, I, in your flesh, your flesh doesn't want to go there, right? You got to go into those engagements in the spirit. You got to push past the flesh and the fear of the flesh. But what brings us through that is knowing that what we're doing is pleasing the Father. And you're not going to get reception necessarily a good reception from the people listening. You know, the park guy is going to tell you don't hand out those John and Romans and and don't speak. You know, and all this, that, and the other. And you know, and you just gotta you just gotta like do what God wants you to do and not worry about it. And so, 
Uh, that's the comfort that comes from, from God's word to us. Paul had that comfort that came from God that said, fear not, Paul. So Paul did wrestle with fear, uh, just like any other human would. But yet God gave him grace to overcome it. So, Paul encourages Timothy to stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. We saw that in, uh, in chapter 2 there, in uh, verse, uh, we were in verse 6, uh, at the end of verse 6 there. And he says, <clears throat> if you're saved, you, you have the gift of eternal life, right? And our, and our souls are sealed by the Holy Ghost. So with that gift of eternal life, we become a gift of the body. And that's what Romans 12 is all about. So God wants us to benefit the body of Christ. So there was a day when Paul publicly laid hands on Timothy and acknowledged his call publicly. And it was in that day that Paul called Timothy to reflect on that he is, uh, his call and his gifting was not for himself, but for others. And so it's easy to, to let things uh, settle. And when I was a when I was a boy, I had to earn my sweet tea uh, because they we didn't my parents did not make tea that was like mixed together. I had to like put the sugar in it and stir it in. You know, I had to stir up the sugar to get it to dissolve in the tea. I don't know if you've ever gone through that process in your life, um, but they didn't brew they didn't brew sweet tea at my house. It was always unsweet tea, and if you wanted sugar, which I did, I always wanted voluminous amounts of sugar. Uh, you had to stir it in. And because it wasn't dissolved into the tea. And so uh, that's what he said. Hey, Timothy, you've got what you need, but you've got to stir it up. right? You've got to mix this thing up and uh, stir up the gift of God that's in you. And, and, and so if you want the benefits of the sweetness on the tongue, you've got to do the work. right? You know what? I don't know if you guys have ever tried to drink sweet tea without it being you know, done while it's hot. But you've got to stir and stir. And if you don't, you're going to get a big taste of bitter. <laughs> because that first taste is all, this, all the sugar sitting at the bottom. And so you've got to stir that thing up to get it to, to dissolve into the tea. And so, uh, and so I think you guys get where I'm going with that. Um, if you take cold iced tea and place sugar in the glass, it, it settles at the bottom. And, and so we don't want that to happen in our life. And so you can no longer... Um, once you get it all stirred up, though, you can no longer distinguish the tea from the sugar uh, because it becomes one, right? And that's that's where we want to be. So uh, so being so is being stirred in the spirit. When the word of God dwells in us richly, and the spirit of God begins to stir up our hearts to obey the word of God, it's not long before we get lost in the will of God, and what we know to do becomes what we want to do, and before long, what we want to do becomes who we are. Which gets to the first half of the book of First Timothy: Be who God saved you to be. So you, then, the second half of Tim, Second Timothy is so you can do that which God has saved you to do. A lot of that has to do with being stirred up. All right, He's putting him in remembrance uh, of of his ordination and, and making sure that he is not given the spirit, remembering that he has not been given the spirit of fear. So there's a point when we are stirred up that there's no distinction in who we are in our flesh and who God has saved us to be because we're walking by faith, not by sight. We're walking in the Spirit and we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh and we can no longer see the old man, but the new man is renewed day by day. Which is a little bit what I was referencing this morning, right? We're not who we used to be. And the more we walk in the Spirit, the more we're stirred up uh, in the Spirit, uh, then the more, uh, you know, it's not any lack of the Spirit. It's a lack, as we teach in our Discipleship 1, of the Spirit having control of us. Uh, So, man, it's so important that uh, we are stirred up 
Um, but but about the time you're about to take flight, fear comes in, and he grounds your plane. Man, I know how that feels too. So Paul knew this, which is why he wrote uh, to Timothy to remind him that the spirit of the spirit that dwells within him, and that's why you have verse seven: For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I, if you're like me, that's probably one of your favorite verses. For me, that's been a mantra in my life. You know, God doesn't give me the spirit of fear because frankly. There's always things to be fearful of. There's there's all kinds of things to be fearful of, doubts, insecurities, second guessings, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, who are you serving, and who's called you to it? And if he calls you to it, he'll get you through it. It really is a crisis of faith. Do you believe what God said? Is this something you're meriting? Of course not. You don't merit your salvation, and you don't merit your service. Even though we work, uh, we work because we're saved. Uh, ultimately, it's, even that's grace. And so, when we re- when we reflect on what God has given us, we realize fear is not part of the package. In First John, now I'm not just saying that. So I put these verses in there. First John four eighteen. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, right? Complete love casteth out fear. It doesn't mean that fear is not present. It means that fear can be cast out with perfect love. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So when we, when we uh, are facing fear, there's a, what we, can we check is our love quotient. And when that, in the Bible, that means obedience to God's word, right? Because if we love him, we keep his commandments. So, you know, say just use gospel outreach. We were just talking about that in our pastor meeting. So if you're, if you're fearing going out, that doesn't mean you should not go out. That means you should embrace the obedience of going out. And that, and you know what? That love for God, that obedience to God, will eventually eclipse that fear. And I bet all of us in this room have, at some point, experienced that, where you know you put, I call it pressing through the wall, where your flesh is saying no, but God is saying go, right? And you just press through that thing by faith, and then next thing you know, you're flying, right? You're walking in the spirit. The sugar's all stirred up with the and the, and, and the tea, and everything's good. And the next thing you know, you're in agreement with God and the power of God. And the goodness of God is resting on you. And all that fear is, is dissolved and, and dissipated through the love of God. Romans 8.15 says, For ye, are, ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so I, I do got to correct Zach Williams because he has that song that says, Fear is a liar. Uh, it's not true. Fear is not a liar. Satan is a liar. If you do it, actually, if you study that in the Bible, fear is not a liar. Satan is a liar. Is a liar. Uh, you know, there's certain things. Fear is good. You should fear God and keep His commandments. And so, the Bible uh, says Satan is a liar. Fear is fear. It's an emotion. Um, uh, and and you need to know how to handle that and let God handle that emotion. Uh, and so you see it may be in your old nature to be fearful, but you know you're cooking with gas and walking in the Spirit when perfect love casts out fear and you identify with Christ by His grace and fear is conquered in Christ. So that's an emotional uh, response that is conquered through the power of the Spirit of God. It's not that fear itself is bad, right? So I just want to make sure. There's, if you're not afraid of a hot stove, then you're foolish, right? So there's, there's, there's certain. There's, you know, God gives us fear for a reason, but we got to check it with the Spirit. You know, yes, ma'am. Is that an emotion? Yeah. Well, fear in the Lord is both. I mean, fear in general is both. Uh, you, you you yield to what you you can yield to what you fear. You can honor what you fear. 
And so... Well, you can say love is an emotion, but it's also an act of obedience. So fear is the same thing. I mean, when you fear you fear the Lord, you you honor Him, right? Um, so it's what you choose to fear. And so, and that's you know, fearing the Lord isn't a bad thing at all. Yes, yeah, it's the beginning of wisdom, right? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it also comes with an emotional component. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're talking about is not letting your emotions control you you know letting God God's word and the spirit of God control us so when we go out on invitation it can be a fearful thing uh, because we fear man more than God which gets back to the fear of the Lord right what are we going to serve uh, if we understand that God desires uh, that all men be saved uh, he will use our effort to make divine appointments and we and we won't uh, we don't go out in fear. We go out in expectation that God's going to allow us to sow water and reap by faith. And while it doesn't always happen, uh, when we go away knowing that God is pleased with our obedience, we must go out in faith, uh, not fear. Right? If we do fear, we fear God or fear not obeying God. You know, and that's more important than fearing you know our flesh. But fear is, uh, yeah, fear is an, is accompanied by an emotion, of course, because it. Uh, that's where the fears within and fightings without and all of those things come in. It is a it can paralyze us, uh, and that's why Paul said, "Hey, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Uh, you you have a spirit of love and a sound a power, of love and a sound mind. The spirit of God, also, it's not an emotion per se, but it does affect our emotions. And so Paul identifies three things that God replaces our fear or identifying." Um, with uh, when we identify with him in first in verse seven, um, which you guys know that they're right there, uh, power, love, and a sound mind. And so, um, to make it simple and the application simple, Paul did what we have listed very simply. Number one, power, um, uh, the name of the Lord in Acts four seven ten, uh, four verse seven through ten, which I put in your notes there. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the, these three things identify with the spirit of power. And when he had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of, of uh, the good deed done to the uh, impotent man, by what uh, means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand before you whole. And so the point here is that in verse uh, 7 of Acts 4, they're asking him, you know, by what power or by what name have you done this? The name of the Lord is that power. Uh huh. Oh, power. I didn't know that was a blank. Power. A is power. Three things I identify with the spirit of power. Power is A. And then the name of the Lord. Yeah. And then in John 18, 4, the Bible says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood uh, with them. 
As soon uh, then as he uh, had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. So there's an example of of uh, the power of Jesus' name, just knocking people down for real. The second one there is the gospel, of course, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Roman, Romans 1, 16 is very clear about that. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And the third thing is the Spirit of God indwelling the believer. So it's the it's the name of God, the the gospel, and the spirit of God. In Acts one eight, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. So when Paul and Silas were imprisoned in Philippi, they sang the name of Jesus. All right, the name of Jesus went forth, and the power of God rocked the jail. And that was the first jailhouse rock. So uh, wouldn't you know that it, it was followed up with something more powerful, which was a gospel message that freed the Philippian jailer and, uh, and from the fear that uh, he was going to be killed for letting these prisoners go. That was so strong, uh, he was willing to kill himself. So that power eclipsed his fear of, of needing and the need of Rome uh, and his magistrates, of which he was supposed to, he was going to kill himself because he thought he failed in his job. And Paul, what did Paul say? Fear not, we're all here, right? And then he goes into the gospel and eclipses that fear. And my point about fears, uh, about emotion, is is in to Zach Williams' song. Uh, also, I need to make that clear because that song leads people to believe that fear in itself it conflates fear with with, with Satan, which isn't one and the same. That's really was my point in saying that because fear is a liar. Technically, Satan is a liar. And, uh, and and when I say fear is an emotion, it, it may or may not be a, a good emotion. So it's in the context. That's that's kind of going back to that point. Um, there, fear, and that's a good example where the Philippian jailer feared, you know, magistrates, uh, you know, justly because they had his head on a platter, so to speak. Yeah, but the gospel eclipsed that fear when he obeyed the Lord and feared God more than, and then God took care of it. That's when Paul chose to use right until that point. God, Paul didn't use his Romans, uh, his Roman citizenship card until after, uh, after all that was dust was settled, and then he used it to protect the Philippian jailer, not himself, which is again a picture of someone who's walking in the Spirit, right? And he put others ahead of himself. So his own his own, uh, his own, own bondage, no problem. Me and Silas are going to prison. They thrust him in, held him fast in the stock. So he's, he could have at any point said, hey, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. He just sat on all that, you know, and just sat on it until he needed it. And when he needed it, it wasn't for himself so much as it was for the Philippian jailer. They just wanted to get Paul and Silas out of town once they realized they were Romans. They are like, get out of here, please. Yeah, don't bring any heat on us. And so, so uh, at any rate, uh, the point B is love, of course. We talked about power. Uh, point B is love. That leads, us, leads me to, uh, to, obviously, that's the next one. Listen, listen long before... Um, Huey Lewis, uh, long before Huey Lewis and the news came out, uh, Paul sent Timothy news that there, there was power to conquer fear and love. So perfect fear casts out, uh, cast, or perfect love casts out fear, I should say. So we already, we saw it. Jesus is the model of this, and we follow his lead. So if we love God, we love people. Uh, that's that's the reality of it. If we, if we say we love God and we don't love others, the Bible tells us what? We're liars. We don't love God. And so our thermometer on our love for God is really measured in our love for people. Um, and so 
that's the power of love. It's a curious thing. Uh, and then the third, point C, is a sound mind. Now, that's, th- this is really important. A sound mind gives us an ability to reckon. And the scripture um, is not illogical, but it is logical. So when we take in the scripture and weigh out the promises of life in Christ Jesus, the man... Uh, the math, I'm sorry, comes out with a positive outcome of faith that eclipses our fear. So Romans 10:17 then says, "So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." Uh, and so, as Paul thought soberly, he, along with thousands and millions like him in years to come, would arrive at the same sober and sound conclusion in light of eternity. In Romans eight eighteen, for I reckon, right, I do the math, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So it is, uh, there is an intellectual component to this, right? And obviously, it's faith, but it's also once you really reckon it out, you do the math. It's like, well. Really, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be com- compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. So it's not like uh, Paul's like super noble in his sufferings. He's also wise. He's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. Why wouldn't I suffer now for a reward later? He believes it, though, right? You can't, you can't take that position unless you really are all in and believe it by faith. And Paul obviously was all in, and he reckoned it to be so, right? He did the math, and he's like, well, you know what? I think this through. There's nothing I'm going to suffer in this life that's not worth, that's even worthy to be compared to what's coming in glory. So why would I even sweat this life? Why would I? But yet we know he did fear, and the, and the, and God did comfort him. We saw it in Acts eight twenty seven, and said, "Fear not, Paul." Right. So the reality is that we got to work this stuff out, which gets back to the visible. We started this section on what's visible. So God allows us to go through that tension, so people can see us exercise it out. Because we all struggle with those things because we're all human. Uh, and so Jim Elliott said it like this. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Right? And so he, you know what he was doing? He was reckoning. This is before he ever went down to uh, Ecuador. And so he was thinking it all through, right? He was reckoning it out. So there's an aspect of the mind, uh, the intellect, the sound mind, a sober mind, a solid mind. So... Um, so I'm going to stop there. But as we go out, we're going to do. We're going to, in a few weeks. We'll be sparking the park. We've been doing outreaches uh, all this this year as we should. We should continue to do those things. One week, though. Huh? It's just one week. What's that? It's just one week sparking the park. Yeah, that's just one week. But I mean, we've been doing other outreaches. Is what I'm saying. Whether it's taking it to the streets or. Um, uh, you know this, the, what we were doing with the Christ Soccer Academy and VBS is coming up. All these things that we're doing to reach out with the gospel. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we need to remember this encouragement from Paul, right? Because he's really wanting to encourage Timothy here. You know, no doubt, right? There's no fear and there's no shame. And so we, this point was about no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And so uh, I'm going to stop there. We'll pick up the, the, next, the last point there, number three, that there's no shame in suffering. And we'll finish that up in, up to verse 18 there. But um, um, I think that's, that's all I got for tonight. So are you guys, any questions or comments or corrections? Uh, okay. Well, let's go ahead and prepare to pray. A lot of things going on. Um, uh, I was down at uh, Clinton today. Um, 
also we took out the kids for we had 11 kids that wanted lunch with the pastor so we heard it 11 yeah 11 of those kids up at culver's that was that was an event so um what age were they uh they were everywhere from bo's age bo was about the youngest bo newland up to uh tom i think tom was the eldest tom uh cohen yeah so uh uh, so that was the that was the age range. Amy and Elizabeth saved my bacon. They were the only I could not have done it by myself. We used to we used to do that with like you know three or four or five maybe, and uh, man, it's really grown. So that's it's really it's really neat. So they they have to get, earn a lot of points to get that privilege. So I really I can't remember how they get the privilege. It's Bible memorization. And different things that they do on Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, he's doing good, relatively speaking. Uh, he's got a nasty uh, second-degree burn on his hand, and um, but he's in good. Randy Foster. Uh, he got. He had a. He had a. He was burnt. He was at a restaurant yesterday, and a. Waitress dumped a plate on him of hot food, and the plate broke, so it lacerated one hand, and he has he had hot uh, friolis all over his hand, so it really made some nasty burns. So somehow the, it was an accident. Obviously, I wasn't intentional, but it was it was bad enough they sent him to the hospital, and and he's going to have quite a, a season here to heal. And of course, his skin isn't the best doesn't have the most dexterity right now anyway so it's a very difficult situation so keep him in your prayer as uh, he's recovering from that but no i think it, his spirits seem good and everything i think he's yeah <clears throat> i didn't see a picture of that but his hands wrapped up and bandaged so they had a hard time getting the bleeding to stop because he's on his blood's really thin Oh, excuse me. It seems like we got more prayer pieces tonight. I don't know. All right, so. Okay. So we, we have a good report on Dorothy, Tom, Tom, uh, Dorothy um, Thompson. Yeah, she's... she's um, Recovering from her um, pacemaker surgery and uh, is in good spirits, all things considered. You know, she lives with Kevin, uh, Kevin and his wife. And I come up short. Maybe I didn't do these right. Sorry, Jeff. I'll give you guys. I got extra. I'll give you guys some of mine. Oh, my mother. Uh, she's, um, you know, she's slowing down pretty rapidly, to be frank with you. Um, her eye is slowly improving. They didn't have to do surgery, which was a blessing uh, while we were out. Um, we're going to be celebrating her 80th in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for that. She Actually, I need, I need to call her. She was trying to get a hold of me, so she's getting a little... Uh, her eye is a is a you know it's a big deal. She loses that, and uh, she's hoping that it'll improve. Uh, 
Um, and they're telling her that it's improving. She's not really... It's bothering her because she, she's got, uh, like, phantom things going on, and which is, I think, part of the cloudiness of the... Of the of the eye and the blood that's in there, and so. Is there anything that she's doing, like any or, or no, the, the main thing is not to do too much, um, you know. But they told her they didn't put her on any restrictions, unlike the past when she's had eye surgery, um, and so they're just keeping an eye on it. It's part of. They, there's really no. They just said she's just getting older, and that's all they tell her. She's just getting older and. It's taking. It's, it's she's, she's having a hard time just processing that, slowing down. 